1: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to the Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. The Maccas, juicy Angus beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Maccas today.
2: Sausage off the bench for Sammy Hargraves for today. Thanks for your company for the Macca's run here on SEN. Don't be, you can always tweet us, Macca's run SEN, or you can give us a call 1300 736 736. In a moment, we'll get the latest for well, what took place out there at Tullamarine at the Hangar, Essendon, and the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs and Bombers. It was the Bombers. If you're just tuning in, twelve nine eighty one to eleven nine seventy five. a goal win to Essendon for what it's worth. Ben Waterworth, who called the action on KO, will join us. But Isn't it great that we're actually talking about a game of footy? Now, I know it's only a practice game and we're not, you know, there wasn't premiership points and everyone's getting a little bit of emotional about it, it's just nice, isn't it? It's just nice. 2,000 people lined the boundary, I'm led to believe. Fantastic stuff. So we'll be dissecting that game. Who played well? Who wasn't there? Ben Waterworth was there, of course. He commentated the match. For K.O. today. Now this is not an Amy preseason fixture. It is simply a practice match. I think it was four 30-minute quarters, pretty warm conditions. And basically the clubs decide on the formats and who plays and how many plays and the like. So let's not uh, too, get too caught up in it. If you want to text us away on the text machine, we know you like to get there. 0433 11 16. So we'll dissect the Bombers Dog Clash at the uh, hangar. We'll unpack all those big storylines. The AFL and you heard Jared Waitley's opening monologue this morning, just after nine o'clock, about the umpires' abuse and the, the AFL putting out a press release. Um, sort of, really just reaffirming what I thought I already knew, but I'm led to believe it's a little bit harder and harsher than that. So um, there is also a shortfall of some six thousand umpires at community football level. So if you are an umpire at community football level, why don't you do it anymore? Or if you're looking for something to do, maybe get in touch with your local football association. 6,000 umpires. We need umpires and we need them badly. But this goes back to, probably to the umpires' abuse from the AFL. Shane McInerney umpired over 500 AFL games, a couple of grand finals. He will join us in the hour as well. Now, in a, Jed Anderson, he rocked up to Arden Street. No further statement, but North Melbourne said he's there. He's been COVID. Uh, he's uh, adhered to the COVID rules and the vaccination rules. North Melbourne breathing a sigh of relief there and he has complied with the COVID-19 policy. Jack Darling, not so. Not sighted, not seen, hasn't messaged. Now, I think a lot of that is simply legal reasons on his behalf and that of the football club. There's a standoff at 20 paces. Now, the West Coast Eagles are trying to get to the bottom of where Jack Darling stands right now. Fact is, I can also tell you that um, the board meeting today categorically will not be making a decision in regards to Jack Darling. They're going to sit and they're going to wait to see what Jack and his camp decide to do. But clearly running out of options and running out of time. In fact, Ryan Daniels from Seven News has been across this story. He spoke to Dwayne earlier today and gave us an update in regards to what the Eagles' options are.
0: It is getting quite tense as i said the options that they have um they can terminate his contract completely it's a four-year deal worth up to three million dollars for jack if they do that he could also be deregistered from the afl now that's the extreme end of things there's also a possibility that they could place him on the inactive list which would mean he's out for the year and they could replace him with say a waffle player they've got a few training with them right now or they could elect to do nothing and hope that he changes his mind but uh, if you're reading the tea leaves over here, as I am, there's a very little chance of that happening.
2: That's well, Ryan Daniels from Seven. Well, I can assure you the board won't be making the call, so it might come back to the football department and also the CEO. It'll be then ticked off by the board. But So, look, a bit to play out in regards to Jack Darling. What are your thoughts on that? If you're a North Melbourne fan, is there any relief for you today? Are you feeling... Do you feel like there's another little uh, box ticked in regards to your preparation? One 736 or 0433 98 1116. The Temper Text Machine, a mattress like no other. I'm interested if you watched KO today and you're a, an Essendon fan or a Bulldogs fan, what you thought of the game, what you thought of some of the players, and what do you take out of the game itself? Staying in a moment, we will uh, hear more from. Caroline Wilson, she said, By a million miles, one football club has had the worst off-season ever. On her Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast, we'll hear from Caroline Wilson a little later. But as I said, Essendon, 12-9-81, beat the Bulldogs 11-9-75 out there at the hangar. Today, Ben Waterworth did a great job commentating. Of course, he's from Fox Footy. He called the practice match for KO, and he's been kind enough to join us on a pretty busy afternoon. Ben, appreciate your time, mate. Six-point win to the Bombers. Uh, what do we make of the scoreline? Good evening, Tim. Uh, it was a...
3: Oh, it's a practice game. You sort of, you know... But you,
2: you sort of looked at it
3: in the last quarter and Jason Johansson had an opportunity to reduce the margin from 12 points to 6 points with, it, you know, two minutes to go and runs back to his mark to, to, uh, to try and level up the score. So the, the natural competitive juice of the players are always there, even if we are you know, three weeks out from round one. But uh, I, I wouldn't read a whole lot into the scoreboard in terms of, you know, a lot of players played two or three quarters today. You know, Adam Traor was arguably best on ground at three-quarter time and didn't play the, the last quarter. Marcus Montapelli only played a half. Harrison Jones was Essendon's best forward target. You know, was taken off at half-time. But then we saw some, you know, pressure races in the, in the last quarter really sort of uh, take hold. So, you know, Essendon will be pleased to get the victory. No doubt about that. I, I think the best thing, Tim, was that the atmosphere of the hangar today was absolutely fantastic. And just to have mm. fans in Melbourne... Back at the back at the, at a venue uh, was 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 really heartwarming in the end, mm. and the fact that not only players can you know they give those those, those footies out at the end of the game, but they actually have uh, fans to give those footies out to now. I think it's, it's absolutely fantastic. So uh, really exciting uh, afternoon at uh, at uh, the hangar and uh, a really good hit out. I think for both teams. I think gonna be pretty pleased. Yeah, in it very hot conditions.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a good point you make. It really is just. A feel good moment, and it's it's the start, and a very small start, a very small step in the return of of numbers to games, and we are looking forward to, you know, one hundred percent capacity uh, throughout the year, and let's hope fans who have been starved of real footy in Melbourne get a chance to uh, express themselves. Uh, this is a, a hard one to answer, but if you were just sitting back, Ben, watching the game as you did, it's a difficult one to answer. But which club do you think cracked in? Which club yeah. do you genuinely think? probably felt that they were going to get more out of this game. Well, probably the Bombers. And what, one thing that like Bolly makes me think that, and I'm calling
3: Brendan Goddard today, and Brennan was all, you know, uh, uh, you know Brendan sort of is, is a straight shooter and calls it how he sees it, but he was actually quite disappointed in the first half with how the Bombers were defending. And there's a couple of times the dogs were able to go coast to coast uh, a bit too easily, which was, a, which was a, a hindrance that the Bombers had right throughout last year. It was a weakness in, in their game plan. But what you can actually notice in the early minutes after halftime, the first few minutes of the third quarterbacks, the Bombers really look switched on, and they were able to lock the ball inside the, the um, their own forward half and really squeeze those Bulldogs' defenders. And it just sort of made me think, oh, I think the, the Bombers are on here. Uh, and uh, so for so, a so I think they've got a little bit more out of it than the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs probably got a few uh, more players to come back. It has to set, be these for on from injury. The Bombers are probably a little closer to full strength than what... The Bulldogs were, nonetheless, I think the Bulldogs could still be pleased with what they've been able to get out of it, and some of the players that they were able to give a bit of a run to. Uh, but from from what I think the, the score probably reflected the, the the flow of the games. So the Bombers were probably the the the, sharp, the more sharper team on the day, and you know as much as, as best you can say deserved a six point victory
2: has run, Tim Gossage in the chair, Ben Waterworth, Fox footy, who called the game on KO. Uh, just a couple of names there. Uh, Aaron Francis went down early and didn't return. Do mm-hmm. we know what the injury was and uh, is there any vibe? Uh, any, any, any vibes coming out of the Bombers camp? Luckily, he was able to get back on, on, on the park. So he went up for a
3: marking contest in the first quarter and sitting pretty awkwardly on his right leg. And we all know sort of Aaron Francis' injury Issues and history that he's had over the, over recent times, so yeah, it, particularly in pre-season, really heart and mouth stuff. But uh, so he spent the uh, most of the first quarter off the ground, but luckily re-emerged in the second quarter and actually in the second half, actually sort of got back to you know him flying for the ball in sort of the only way Aaron Francis does. So luckily he was okay. Besides that, him, I don't think there were any injuries from what we saw. That's the, the biggest thing at this time of the year is that clubs get through unscathed. And then um, both clubs seem to get through unscathed and, and naturally just rested uh, a few players, you know, for a quarter or two uh, here and there. So uh, thankfully, it looks like a, a clean bill of health at this stage.
2: That's good news. Sorry, he did get back on the ground. Now, just in regards to the, the Western Bulldogs, and you talked on Treloar, you talked on Bontem Pelly I'm intrigued yep. by how Arthur Jones went, a young man who oh, yes. had a little bit to do with. And the other two names that keep popping up amongst Bulldog supporters on our temper text machine as we speak right now, Jamara, Yugal Hagen and, and Shackie. Did they play and where did they play and how did they play?
3: Yeah, so Arthur Jones, the boy from Mount Barker, Tim, in uh, in WA, he's uh, only 18 years of age and played in the second half today and
1: that's a really
3: nice moves. I think um, I covered a little bit of the draft last year and I think you've seen just what one pre-season at an AFL club can do to a, to a player's um, a footy mouth, and just obviously general size and, and physique. Uh, but he looked really accomplished, I think, out there. Look, probably not accomplished, like he stopped in, a, in this Bulldogs team in round one. But, you know, a lot of good signs, I think, for, for the Bulldogs. They picked him up with um, pick 43 in last year's draft. Uh, didn't have hagan certainly didn't have his busiest day. He Probably only really had one. Decent set shot for goal, and he unfortunately sort of hit the belly of the ball when he's going for a snap late in the last quarter. Just didn't really click for Jamara today, playing for him there across forward. Josh Shackley, interestingly, played in defence. So we saw him kind of switched around a little bit last year. He, uh, when he came back into the side late in the year, he played in defence, and then during the final series he played as a forward, sometimes even as a defensive forward. He actually played as a key defender today and looked pretty accomplished, I think, back there. So, you know, with, with, uh, with Aaron Norton and the rotating ruck sort of working quite well, um, that rotation. Maybe Josh Shackey might play a little bit more in the defence. Having said that, though, Alex Keith wasn't there today. He was uh, missing of a back injury. He's likely to play in the uh, in the Marsh series next week, so just a minor niggle for Alex Keith. So when Keith comes back, what that means for Josh Shockey, I'm not terribly sure, but he looked pretty good in defence, has to be said today.
2: And style changes? Any style changes to, to game plans and styles, do you think, uh, albeit a very small taste? One thing that Brendan Goddard did point out, and you know what we're like in the AFL industry, with a bit of copycat stuff. So
3: he was really noticing Essendon trying to play the, the Jake Lever goal goalkeeper in defence. So we all know, you know Melbourne's game plan was picked apart last year and would have been picked apart over the summer by 17 other AFL clubs. And they like to use predominantly Jake Lever and at times Stephen May and Harry Petty as that last man in defence. No matter you know, how high up their ground or how far away the play might be from Melbourne's defensive goals square. There was always someone sort of deep in defence, almost playing that uh, goalkeeper-like position. Essendon tried that today and I think did it pretty well. So I think uh, James Stewart in particular was a real standout for mine today. Took a lot of intercept marks. Uh, James Laverde also had times uh, playing that position, and then uh, we saw Jordan Ridley, who's been a revelation for the Bombers over the past couple of seasons, really uh, own sort of that position down back and took some really good intercept marks in that the second half of the season. So just one to keep an eye out for. They're the a really progressive coaching group, the Bombers, with Ben Ratten, but also Blake Carousella and Daniel Jean, who are two very highly rated assistant coaches. Mm. I reckon they've gone to work defensively during the off season, so that's one thing to keep an eye on, not only for the Bombers but also for every club. Throughout the season to see if there's any sort of Jake Lever-style moves where they try and keep you know applied deep as possible.
2: Very true. Now, and we just touched on a couple of the the names to look out for from the Bulldogs on the Essendon side: uh, Wanganine and Martin. Oh, yes,
3: so Nick Martin is a deadly boy and has, you know been terrific uh, in, in the waffle. Over the past couple of seasons, I think it was Cudjoe's leading goal to the last year. Brenson uh, uh sorry, British player in 2021, leading goal kicker 2020 for the club. Uh, Nick Martin uh, spent four goals in the club a couple of uh, weeks ago, but played a b- bit more across a wing half back today. Looked pretty accomplished. But my goodness, I think the talking point of this game, uh, Tim, is Tex Wanganay, who's the son <laughs> of Gavin and Tex. Could have been nominated as a father-son uh, by either Essendon or Port Adelaide last year, ahead of the draft, but didn't get a nomination from either cop. He had a particular uh, stress fracture injury for most of 2021. He actually only played one competitive game at all last year. But the Bombers have brought him across uh, to the to the hangout during the, the summer, and he's trained really, really well. Uh, there's basically one... There's two spots on the Essendon list at the moment. One will be seen before March. I think it's March 9, which is the deadline. And it will come down to Martin and Wanganane. And Wanganane only played one game, uh, one quarter today. But my goodness, it was an electric quarter. He kicked two goals. He was a third. Another goal directly. Both his goals were quintessential sort of crumbing goals off the pack. Uh, you know, accelerated away at pace. Uh, kicked the goal, uh, you know, from 40 metres out. Uh, and I just, as I was walking back to my car, Tim Gavin Wanganane was uh, was walking past with a couple of family members and a, and a couple of ESL and supporters shouted out to Gavin saying, you're pretty good today, Gavin. And he goes, my boy, he was. So that was, that was, that was pretty nice to hear that. So uh, that the Bombers and the door, I've got to make a call by March 9. I think on today's performance, it's almost for mine and no-growner that Tex Wanganane gets that final spot that pre-season
2: supplemental selection period. Good stuff. Hey, Ben, appreciate your time, mate. Thanks. For, I know you've had a very busy day. So the news is Essendon and the Bulldogs. It was a goal win to Essendon today at the hangar. Crowd was back. Lots to like for both teams. Nothing to, to, to worry about on the, on the injury front. Thanks for joining us, mate. We'll chat again soon. My pleasure, Tim. Have a good night. Ben Waterworth from Fox Footy who called the action on KO. Get a break away. We'll come back. Phil, if you just want to hold the line there, if anyone else wants to call, if you watched the game or what you liked about the game or you're a North Melbourne fan and you're happy that your man has returned to training, of course, uh, after getting uh, his uh, the, the COVID shots that he required, let us know, of course. Stay with us. This is, well, it's the has run on SEN. Tim Gossage in the chair for
1: Sammy Hargraves. The Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. The Macca's Juicy Angus Beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today.
2: Tim Gossage in the chair for Sammy. Macca's Run here. Don't forget, temper text machine anytime. 0433 98 11 16. Even better, give us a call. 1300 736 736. Phil has been waiting patiently. He'd like to talk about umpire abuse On the back of the AFL sending out a directive today that they will be, well, we think, cracking down on umpire abuse. Thanks for calling, Phil.
3: G'day. Um, I'm out at the the hangar at the moment watching the VFL Anyway, Anyways, hope you can hear me. A bit of wind now.
2: Yeah, it is windy, Um, yeah.
3: Missing the elephant in the room, dancing at the end of the season last year, uh, Toby Green walks into an umpire. And although he was suspended, the club teams are going to make him a co-captain. Doesn't really yeah. send a good, terrific message.
2: Well, no, it doesn't. It, it it doesn't. But I think he brings a little bit more to the table than what we saw then. And I would think, Phil, and I, I stand corrected on this, and I may be wrong. People might like to agree or give us a call on the back of what you've just said, that maybe making him captain will, will pair back that behaviour, knowing that, you're the leader and the example that the captain has to set. I'd be interested to know. He's not going to get away. It, it, look, he, he's he been dealt with. The AFL have come down and, you know, they appealed it. He got a bigger whack. It's not a good look. At the time of the incident, I went, wow, it's not the first time. 100% what you're saying. 100% understand what you're saying. But I wonder, and it, look, they love him as a leader. They're at the Giants. And he's a co-captain. so He's not flying solo. And it might just... It might just give him some bookends of responsibility that he knows that that type of behaviour as a captain is not is not going to be tolerated by his team. Thoughts?
3: The fact that it still happened and and it uh, was seen by a lot of kids and a lot of Mm. footballers and a lot of uh, umpires, and uh, look, he may reform, but the fact is that it happened.
2: It did, but he's been dealt with. So I don't think we can keep digging that up. And and we look, we don't condone his behaviour. He's been hit hard and and on appeal, the sentence got a little bit harsher for him. But thanks for your call, Phil, and and enjoy being out there at the hangar. looks like the the wind has kicked in. Thank you, Andrew, for your message as well, and and so too, Ken from Brighton. Uh, I mentioned this at the opening of the show, that this doesn't come as any great shock, but Caroline Wilson stated on her Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast that uh, one particular club has had the worst off-season by a million miles. That is, of course, West Coast. This is how she stated this situation about what's gone wrong with West Coast in the off-season. Caroline Wilson, courtesy of Don't Shoot the
1: Messenger. West Coast, by a million miles, has won the AFL club with the worst off-season. Their best young forward, Oscar Allen, is in a moon boot. Their captain, Luke Shuey, is injured again. Jack Darling... Another great forward is refusing to be vaccinated so he can't play. And they are the only AFLW club who didn't wear a Pride jumper when Pride round was held in January. And their reasoning was embarrassing, very, very badly explained. It was back to the arrogant old West Coast. And their AFLW coach made the unfortunate comment that the Pride thing has been done to death. And I'm not talking about it. I want to talk about the footy. They said they didn't have time to make a jumper or something. It was just ridiculous. So, on and off the field, I'd have to say that Trevor Nisbet, who's been CEO of that club for a long time and was footy manager back when you were covering footy, and has been there. Look, he's been there. God, not 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 that long ago. (laughs) He's done a great job in many areas. He's had he's had some black marks along the way, including the sort of drug saga of the early early to mid-2000s. But seriously, it's just been an absolute shocker for them.
2: Caroline Wilson, uh, don't shoot the messenger. Um, I'm not so sure you can bring Trevor Nisbet into the fact that a bloke's in a moon boot or a, or a bloke is not being vaccinated. I, I get the, the jumper scenario, uh, the pride jumper. That was an error of judgment and a bad one at that. And they've admitted fault for that. I don't know, about arrogant, it was a it was a it was a decision that they made, and it was the wrong decision against aligning themselves that way when every other club was, what I would deem, doing the right thing. And they have had a really bad pre-season. it runs a little bit deeper than that. I mean, even the fact is, you know, that Liam Ryan had a day off after some social media abuse to his kids, and rightfully so. Um, also, uh, Greg Clark, who was a uh, picked up in the draft and was having an excellent mid-season. Uh, Really good player. He's done a shoulder. He won't be there for a while. Luke Shuey can't get to the start line. But I think every other club has had their moments too. And But but again, if you are saying which club has had probably the worst of the preseasons, it's probably them. But I'm not so sure you can pin that on anyone, the CEO in particular. But uh, yes, he has been around for some time. Uh, in a moment, we're going to get a break away. We're going to sp- speak with Shane McInerney. Um, and before we do speak to Shane, I want to play... Uh, out of the break, you're going to hear Patrick Dangerfield, of course, a players president of the Players Association. He was on Jared Whateley last year when they talked about um, abuse and umpire abuse and emotion and back chatting. Jared played it this morning. And if you take your mind back to then, to the now, of which the AFL have put out a directive that they're going to crack down on umpire abuse and um, demonstrative behaviour. See if you can f- feel some um, holes in the Patrick Dangerfield argument back in September and whether he has or should be changing or would be singing from a different hymn book if he was interviewed about it now and see how different it would be. A break, we'll come back, we'll hear from Patrick Dangerfield, we'll hear from Patrick Dangerfield, and then we'll speak to 500 Gamer of AFL umpiring Shane McInerney an umpire abuse and whether they're on the right track and what's it like to be out there when a player's blowing a foof valve. This is SEN and the Maccas Run. The Maccas
1: Run with Sam Hargraves, the Maccas, Juicy Angus Beef and the Lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus of Maccas today.
2: As a player group,
0: could you not reach a point where abuse of umpires stopped that you actually put it in your heads before the heat of battle takes hold, that what you can't do is take your mouth guard out and swear at the umpire when it doesn't go your way, regardless of whether you think you are hard done by or not. Like, it does strike me as as a, as a collective, if you had the will to do that, it actually is possible.
4: Well, I think it's possible, but I also think it's, it's also it's very challenging. Everyone has different emotional responses to to decisions that don't go their way, and very very rational teammates of mine and as players that I know off the field can sometimes be irrational on it. You know that's the that's what we love about the game the the emotion that it invokes. But at the same time, we're we're all human as well. Toby's human, and and there's been players you know before him that. Sometimes you, you you cross the line, and absolutely we we um, prefer not to, and we encourage our players not to. But it's also it's tough at the same time. Isn't is that an, a, a viable excuse? You could argue it is. You could argue it isn't. We do we have to improve it? Absolutely, we have to improve it. Why? Because we want to encourage um, more people to take up umpiring at the lower levels to know that it's a a respected job within the community at community level and a respected job at the elite level.
0: So it would only stop Patty if somebody took the stance to make it stop. So who could lead that?
4: Well, it's plays Jerry, but it's easy for us to, to stay on the stands. It's harder to do once you step foot on the field. It's not going to happen overnight. We all have to keep each other and try to continue to keep each other accountable, but it's an emotional game. The same reason why you love watching the passion that the players show is the same reason why at different stages players will talk back to umpires. So you can't have it both ways. Yes, we need to improve it as players, but still human, still emotional, and sometimes it spills over the edge.
2: Patrick Dangerfield talking to Jared Wadley last September about umpire abuse and almost for the want of a better line, making excuses for players being in the heat of battle. Yeah. We see so many other sports and we we'll go back to the obvious one, rugby union, where it is the captain only. The captain stands, he gets a message from the referee. He delivers the message back and then they call out whoever's done the wrong thing and they, send them off, give them a yellow card, whatever they may, may do. One man who's been in the heat of battle more than 500 times, a couple of AFL grand finals, retired umpire Shane McInerney has been kind enough to take our cold call to talk about umpire abuse and a crackdown that the AFL has done with a release today uh, in regards to um, the rules and regulations, and also to identify there is a shortfall, on the back of what Patrick Dangerfield said back in September, of some 6,000 umpires at community football level. up, appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Good on you, Tim. Thanks very much for having us on. What do you make of what's happened today? I mean, I don't think they've uh, reinvented the wheel, the AFL, but they've certainly put it in paper form in regards to abuse towards umpires. Have you looked at the wording of it and what do you make of of what the AFL is trying to do?
0: Well, look, I, I think, you know, the last couple of seasons have been very fragmented. For a lot of competitions. Obviously, the AFL's had its challenges to get the, uh, a season away, but at those other suburban local level, they probably haven't had seasons uh, that uh, they've been able to play. So I think it it's serves as a really timely reminder uh, and perhaps serves as a bit of a reset, a recalibration, if you like, uh, in that area of respect.
2: Players that, um, I mean, how serious does it get? We see players angry and they you know, look down or they sort of murmur under their breath. You've been there. You've done that. How how volatile is it with some players and what's being said?
0: Well, look, it's fair to say the game's come, come a long way, which is uh, to everyone's benefit, Tim. I mean, prior to uh, to microphones being on umpires, which is probably going back, you know, 25 odd years, uh, it, it was a war of words out there. You know, players wanted to to test you to see whether you're uh, up to up to uh, umpiring that that game, um, and it was a distraction. I'm not sure if anyone actually enjoyed themselves uh, that much. Um, so where we've come now, I think I think is um, we're we're in a great place. I think you know I think the one thing about perhaps the statement that the AFL came out with. I think it's perhaps more of a statement about, you know, the presentation spectacle of of the game. You know, as as professionals, um, you know, this game is blessed with enough highlights that it doesn't actually probably need that theatre that you alluded to earlier that some other games need to make it exciting. Mm.
2: Abuse is... How, How many times did you, in over 500 games, report a player for abuse? Um, look,
0: uh, nothing springs to my tim. I, look, mm. I, I probably—I mean—to to report for abuse um, would have to be quite extreme. I think uh, in early days um, that was the only tool that, that umpires had. Um, I know I—I I missed one very early in, in my career, Chris Johnson, when he was with uh, Fitzroy at the time. So let's go back how how uh, early in my career it was, uh, <laughs> running at me, pointing at me. Uh, and I sort of froze, to be honest, yeah. as, a, as a younger, you know, field umpire, I, I sort of froze. I, uh, you know, on reflection, I knew that I, I should have taken some action there on the ground. Um, since then, though, uh, you know, the ability now to pay free kick is there. And, and look, I, I think perhaps where we've gotten to over the last couple of seasons is that, you know, perhaps there's been occasions where umpires should have paid free kicks. And perhaps, uh, you know, they needed to be a, a bit stronger. Um, with players so, so that when they do actually cross that line, because I don't think there's anything wrong with you know talking to players I mean there's plenty of respectful conversations that uh, that go out uh, that're out there on the ground, and I think that's a healthy part of uh of the game as well, but mm-hmm. I guess what it is wanting to get away, and I think as I said, there's been a, perhaps a couple of instances in particular the last couple of seasons of players you know running and you know flapping their arms around uh, you know even even perhaps you know, what's not a great look for the game. Uh, and perhaps it's just something that perhaps has been creeping in. You know, we think about, you know, a deliberate out-of-bounds situation. You've got four or five players, opponents all standing around yep. with their arms outstretched, all almost appealing for decisions. And I just don't think that that's the kind of look of the game that we want. You know, even even free kicks given on goal lines. And, you know, we understand, um, you know, that that can, you know, the, the impact that that has, you know. Uh, when a forward gets that free kick, and you've got that, the defender, you know, pointing at the scoreboard. You know, in all my time, I've never seen an umpire change his mind by what he sees at the scoreboard. So, I think if that's if that's where the focus needs to be to make the game more enjoyable, and you know, we know that all this stuff filters down to the lower levels. Uh, then I think that can only be a good thing.
2: When a player's standing the mark and they're unhappy and they say to the umpire, look up at the big screen, and they point up there, is that a 50-metre penalty? Because this is what I think this rule is starting to to encompass, that they're saying you can't dispute it. So once you dispute and say, have a look up there, it's not up there, would you be brave enough to be the first umpire to pay a 50-metre penalty for that demonstrative behaviour?
0: Well, certainly when I umpired, you know, that didn't constitute demonstrative behaviour. Um, whether that's something that the AFL might want to start you know, um, you know, uh, finding some sort of on-field penalty. I, I'm not sure if that's the message that comes out of this particular communication from the AFL. Um, I, I think it was always for, for what we did consider, you know, just what's beyond reasonable in terms of a player not being happy with a particular decision.
2: Are you concerned about? And I'm sure you are, as an umpire man, an umpire who's been around the game for a long, long time. 6,000 6, umpire shortfall in community football, uh, according to the AFL, coming out today. That is that is scary, the lack of numbers there.
0: Yeah, it's an extraordinary number, Tim. I mean, I think for as long as we've all been around footy, we've all known what the challenges are to, to not, so, not so much to attract um, people to umpire, because I think a lot of people are attracted to it, but it's more the actual retention of it. And look... I can only imagine with the explosion um, that we've seen with the women's competition, that that's certainly gone and exacerbated that shortage of uh, of umpires. But, you know, if if there's some leadership there that certainly the AFL showing in this case, you know, um, and of course, you know, obviously players and, and clubs are, are pretty key to that. Because you know, I, I don't think we certainly don't want to get to a situation at that suburban level and, I'm sure most most of your listeners would be familiar you know, with that incident that happened in uh, suburban grade cricket uh, mm-hmm. in Melbourne. Um, where the umpire just walked off the field, <laughs> you know, after after giving a, a not out decision and the players, uh, you know, expressing their dissatisfaction uh, with it, he just said, "Nah, this is not uh, this is not. I'm, I'm not enjoying this today," <laughs> and walked off the field. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen at uh, at AFL level. But we certainly don't want to see that happening at suburban level because you know no one wins. You know everyone loses when when we have you know those type of incidents where, where games need to be called off. You know it's it's not just the just the players that miss out on on, on, on the game, but it's the fans and the spectators and supporters that um, that lose as well. So I, I think this can only be a, a real positive step, uh, and hopefully it's something that, uh, as I said, you know does serve as a bit of a reset perhaps a bit of a a recalibration for what, you know, respect does look like on a footy field these days.
2: Last one for you, Shane. Shane McInerney, our guest former AFL Umpire 500 Games, a couple of AFL Grand Finals. Uh, Just in regards to people being an umpire, um, why should they? Why why would someone want to be an umpire, do you think, at at any level? Um, If, one, it's abusive, so you're probably not, unless you're doing the AFL or a, a high league, you're probably not being remunerated for it. Give me a reason why people probably could take up umpiring.
0: Yeah, look, Tim, I actually found myself asking the same question many times in my career, actually. Why am I umpiring? (laughs) Look, it's, but, you know, it's it's just, look, if you love the game of football and you want to be involved in it and you want to feel like you're making a valued contribution, I can't recommend umpiring more highly. Um, If you're a past player or you're just someone who's passionate about the game, you want to get together with, you know, like-minded people that love their footy as well. Obviously, you know, there's that those, those those fitness aspects, and certainly, you know, to get to the AFL level where you can turn it into pretty much a, a professional career these days. Um, you know, it's 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 just a fantastic thing to be involved. In. You know, there's there's great people in football. Um, you know, I don't have to tell tell you that. So you probably talk to them every day. But you know, football's full of great people, and uh, they're great environments to be around and look I, I know we're perhaps talking about something that you know um, has some negative connotations with it and look you know uh, as I said from when I first started it, it's improved a lot but I think that there's so many positives to it and certainly absolutely you know just just get involved you know uh, perhaps umpiring isn't for everyone of course but um you know being involved in it, it's just uh, uh you meet great people and um you'll have a great time.
2: Appreciate your time today, mate. And uh, are, you, are you anywhere near a whistle now of those days long gone?
0: <laughs> well, uh, look, you know, it pains me to hear there's, there's 6,000 uh, spots up, um, mm-hmm. up for grabs, but um, I might just save my, my contribution to uh, perhaps supporting those that uh, might want to, you know, head on that pathway and that, that journey into umpire. Good on you, team, mate. So.
2: Yeah, well, it'll be, it'd be great Fantastic. knowledge passed down. Thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us. Shane McInerney from AFL Umpire. 500 games of AFL Grand Finals, and he's certainly one of the best in the business. A break, come back. Tony from East Bentley, we'll chat to you shortly. Any of your calls, anything you want to chat about in the the run home, of course, here in the Maccas run, give us a call, 1300 736 736, or text on the TemperText Text machine, a mattress like no other. Don't forget, distractingly good deals only on the My Maccas app, 043 98 1116. The Maccas run with Sam Hargraves. The Maccas, Juicy Angus Beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Maccas today. Tim Gossage in the chair for Sammy. one 736 736 On the temper text 433 A mattress like no other. Damien, thank you. Goss, it's peanut Damien. (laughs) Yeah, Damo. My 16-year-old has decided to have a go at umpiring younger teens before his game at two on a Sunday. He reckons it's a good way of earning some pocket money and even better getting an understanding of the game. He's pretty handy. He reckons this could help him even more. I'm really proud of him. Good on you, Damien, and so you should be. Fantastic stuff. Before we go to Tony of East Bentley, breaking news out of Essendon. We spoke to Ben Waterworth after the opening uh, scratch match today out uh, there at the Hangar, 12-9 to eleven nine. The Essendon Football Club have announced, they have signed Tex Wanganine and Nick Martin as rookies after today's practice match so tex Wanganane only played a quarter son of gavin and nick martin who kicked four in a practice match and in intra last week subiaco footballer from wa and both have been put on as rookies so there's some breaking news so justin courtesy of Cal toomey on social media good on you Cal. Uh, tony east bentley thanks for your patience that's all
0: right tim uh, during your six o'clock news bulletin there was a hawthorne assistant coach had a report on and preview of their practice match coming up in a couple of days. He kept talking about six quarters. <laughs> when I went to school,
2: <laughs> it was four divided by four, and I nearly drove off the road. What is six quarters? Can I you please know. explain? I oh, know you don't know. I don't need to explain. I don't need to explain. Some people don't quite get that, but yes, I get your point. Six six terms or um, six sessions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you want to call us. That is very funny, Tony. Thank you. Yes, so I don't know who that assistant coach was, but I'm sure he'll be fined uh, by the boys uh, when he sat down when, uh, yeah, there's no such thing as six quarters. Tony from East Bentley. I like that. That was uh, very, very funny. Hey, thanks for your company today. Just repeating the news out of that game. It was a goal win to Essendon over the Bulldogs. Um, the Bulldogs probably didn't have their strongest side in, but it's still a lot to like, according to Ben Waterworth. Who joined us as well we've been here one three hundred seven three six seven three six should always always have that number in your phone of course and just to remind you also you can text zero four three ninety eight eleven sixteen I know you always have on the temper text machine a mattress like no other um I just quickly before we go let's play Harry can we play Ash Hansen on Harry Mackay's injury update here's the Carlton assistant coach Ash Hansen
0: We're confident this stage will be right for Round 1. It's an individualised programme and we're prioritising Round 1. He's such an important player and we know what he does to our structure and our system. So this time of the year we're not going to take any risks. Historically, last year I think he only played a quarter or two throughout the pre-season. Clearly I wasn't here, uh, and he played really well Round 1. So we're confident the work that he's done, the way we've prepared as a group with a lot of our training that he'll be right to play games straight
2: away. Good on your big red, big Ash Hansen. so there's some good news for Harry Mackay. Jed Anderson's back for North Melbourne. No sign of Jack Darling. Thank you, DMG, and thank you, Benny Lyon,
1: for pulling it all together. This has been the Maccas. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free, and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP-01005.